understanding Satan's wiles. And tonight we're going to look at impatience. Impatience. Madeline Rockwell wrote this story for Reader's Digest a number of years ago. She said, my grandmother was a ball of fire. My grandfather was slow and deliberate. She she wrote, one night, my grandparents heard a commotion out in their hen house, their chicken coop. Grandma and grandpa got up. Grandma dashed out, ran into the chicken coop, and immediately saw that the problem was a big black snake had gone in. She ran over, having nothing to hit the snake with, and pinned it with her foot, her bare foot. She's holding it and holding it and waiting and waiting. And about 15 minutes later, Grandpa comes down, fully dressed, even has his pocket watch on. And looking, he sees Grandma with the snake under her foot, still dressed in her bedclothes, looking all messed up. And his comment was, well, if I'd have known you had him, I wouldn't have hurried. (laughs) Grandma was not happy. Impatience. Satan wants to make us become impatient with something. And tonight, that's what we're going to be studying. As we've looked at Ephesians chapter 6, and as we're finishing up this book of Ephesians, as it's talked about all the blessings, all the things that God has provided, and understanding all that we know about God, and what he's done for the church, and why he's made us, and why we are even gathering together and really beginning this new church. And then in chapters 4 through 6, we see what does that Christianity, what does that gift that God gave us really look like? It's very easy to begin to have some unrealistic picture in our minds. And we do that when we walk in the doors of church and we walk out, And we really don't have a connection to real life. So we come to the end of chapter 6. And he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. And then he says, and having done all to stand, he talks about the wiles of the devil. What are the wiles, what are the schemes of the devil? Paul talks about it like we should know it. And we should. Last week we looked at One of the things Satan does is he wants us to be ignorant of God's will. To not really understand it. Remember how Paul has already said in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, Don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Patience. I don't know if any of you can remember the old game Frogger. That was one of the beginning... Steph remembers. 
That was one of the beginning of these electronic games, and it was really not real difficult. You, were, you had five or six little frogs that had to cross a five-lane interstate, and then you had to cross over five lanes of logs that were, or, and, and lily pads that were going back and forth, and then you would have to land in your own little landing dock. I know this sounds, it, it, it should be okay, so don't get too terrified here, okay? So you've got this little frog and this obnoxious music that's playing in the background, and you would have to wait because, you see, to cross the five lanes of traffic, there were semis, and there were cars of different sizes, and so you would hop, and then you'd have to wait and make sure that the truck wasn't going to get you, and then you'd hop again, and sometimes they would go at different speeds, and your frog would get squashed. Or sometimes you would go to hop onto a log as you once you'd crossed the, the road clearly, and then you went to get on across the river, but logs would disappear. Sometimes the logs weren't logs at all. Sometimes they were alligators. And the whole key to the game was timing. Timing was everything. Timing was so important. And what I want you to notice tonight as we get together and we study God's word together, let's begin in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Now, as you're turning to that, let me just remind you, last week we studied the first of Satan's wiles that he used in the Bible, and that is ignorance of God and of his will. Do you know if Satan can get us to believe lies about God, he then can get us to do whatever he wants to do because we won't trust God. If God is not trustworthy, what were the things that Satan wanted Adam and Eve to believe? God is not interested in your good. God doesn't care about you. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever hardships you're going through, God does not really care. In fact, God is holding out on you. There is something better that God has said you can't have. Now, if that's the way God is, why would you want to serve him? Can you see where Satan's going with this? He wants us to be ignorant of our God and ignorant of his will. Satan really wants us to believe God is not good. Oh, sure, God likes you as long as you do all the things you're supposed to do. But if you do wrong, look out. You see, Satan wants to mess with your thinking. That's why God says that we should... Think clearly. He says, focus on things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely, things that are of good report, that are actually the way things are, things that are praiseworthy. We need to know the truth. That's the reason why Satan doesn't want us to spend time in God's Word. You see, how many times have we been told, you got to read your Bible if you're going to be a good Christian, but what's been presented is... It's just the duty, the task of reading your Bible. And if you read your Bible, you're a good person. If you don't read your Bible, you're not a good person. You're not a good Christian. So there you have it. Read your Bible. But the reality of it is, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in all his ways. Oh, that my heart were directed to keep thy statutes. What was the psalmist telling us? If you'll just learn God's word and do God's word, there's incredible blessing. Now, Satan doesn't want you to know that. He just wants you to think of reading the Bible as a duty, 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 rather than this is a treasure box. 
Read the treasure box and you get all the good things that are in it. So tonight, now we come to the next thing, dealing with impatience. So what do we know about Satan? I don't know if you had a chance to look over that sheet. I've given you one tonight that if you want to make some notes on it, that's great. Um, you'll also find it in your Remind email that goes out, and you've got all of the study there if you want to look at it there. Notice with me, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, your adversary, the devil, the one who's against you, the devil who is your adversary, as a roaring lion, a hungry lion, a lion that wants to eat something, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking, looking for, searching for something hidden, something for not, something that's not obvious that he can devour. Jesus speaking to Peter says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. Now, we could keep reading a number of passages here. But did anyone have a chance to look over these ahead of time? What does Satan want to do to every person? What were some of the things that you, that you discovered in these passages? Rather than reading all of these, because I want us to get into some meat here. And if you can, do this study ahead of time. Let me just give you a couple things. You can jot these down if you would like. What does Satan want to do to every person? And these are all directly out of these verses. First of all, Satan wants to find your weakest part and exploit it. Satan wants to, he's not going to go after your strongest point. Why would you do that? That's a waste of energy. He's going to look at each one of us. He's going to look at our weakest part, and that's what he's going to go after. He's going to walk about looking to see what can he devour. Now, when we first moved to Iowa, our third child, Andrew, was less than two. And we went to a privately owned zoo. It's the only one that I've ever been to that literally just a guy owned all these exotic animals. And we went to his little zoo. And he had a lion. And I had Andrew in a backpack. Just 18, 19 months old. And he's in his backpack. And I'm walking by the lion's cage. And I'm watching the lion watch me. But then I noticed the lion is not watching me. The lion is watching the snack pack. And we walked, and the lion tracked us, and then all of a sudden, the lion lets out this roar! And it was like, whoa, scary. The only thing that kept me from being terrified were two chain-link fences. And between each fence, there was about seven to ten feet. If this lion could have, he would have. But he couldn't. Because I didn't give him the opportunity because I wasn't where he could get to me. Now the scriptures are telling us Satan is looking for our weakest point. If he cannot make us to be ignorant of what God is like, if he can't make us to be ignorant of what God's will is for you, what did we learn? God predestined us to something, but predestination is always about believers 
And predestination is always about what God has already determined for your life, and that is that you will be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That is what God, for every believer, has already predestinated you to be. It has nothing to do with salvation. It has everything to do with sanctification. That ought to bring great joy to our hearts. So all of a sudden, what do we begin realizing? God has a perfect plan for us. But for each of us, we all have to be shaped differently. We all have to be molded differently. You see, God's working in my life is going to be different than God's working in your life. In fact, God's working in my life is even different than God's working in Cindy's life. And we're about as close as what you can get. Because I need certain things done in my life to bring me to that point. And Cindy needs things done in her life to bring her to that point, and each of us do. So all of a sudden we begin realizing, if Satan could do something, and if he can't make me ignorant of what God wants to do, do you know what he wants to do? Then he wants me to be impatient with God's timing. God, have your will in my life and do it right now. So as we think about this, what does Satan want to do to every person? He wants to find your weakest part and exploit it. He wants to take us apart to our smallest component. He wants to destroy us, and he wants to make us blind and dumb. He wants to hurt us physically and spiritually. The reason why pastors traditionally have always been welcome in hospitals is it's more than physical. There's always a spiritual component to what's happening in the world. Now today, they don't like to talk about that. I find that today, pastors are not as welcome as they used to be in the hospitals the more we pull away from the truth. But how often was the spiritual mixed with the physical in what we see in the New Testament? Do we think that's changed today? Do we not believe that today some of the things we're seeing around us are part of the spiritual world that's manifested in the physical world? So as we look, notice Satan's target. What kinds of, thing, what kinds of things does Satan do to people? And we look at Matthew 9.32. As they went out, behold, they brought him to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake. And the multitudes marveled, saying, it was never so seen in Israel. In Luke chapter 13, we read about a woman which had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. Hmm. Isn't, that a, isn't that an interesting terminology? A spirit of infirmity. Now, in Matthew chapter 17, we read, When they were come to the multitude, there came a certain man kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. And, and sore vexed, for often he falleth into the fire and offeth into the water. So what happened? You've got this person that we would say, oh, they're kind of crazy. They're kind of out of their mind. And what does the scriptures in pulling back the curtain tell us? There was a spiritual side to the physical side that they saw. What kinds of things does Satan do to people? Satan wants to destroy people physically. As a serpent deceives, a lion devours. That's what Satan's goal is. 
And we're so ignorant often, or we are so deceived that things are happening all around us, and we just think, if we could just give them another medicine, if we could just do this, if we could just do that, and we don't see there's a spiritual battle that's going on. Notice, if we resist Satan's deceit, he will do everything he can to attack us physically. So we think about Job tonight. What did Satan do? Now, God had to allow this to take place. And you notice, Satan meant it for evil, but God was using this for good in Job's life. I would never want to go through what Job went through. The only comfort that we have is the fact that God is good. And God doesn't make mistakes. And so I trust him when I can't see the end. Even though I can't see, I trust him. Job lost the fruit of his body, his children. Job lost the way he would provide for himself, for his body, when all of his camels and all of his sheep and all of his livestock were killed. He lost his health. In the New Testament, Satan constantly attacked the body through either being able, not being able to hear or not being able to speak or being bent over. So the question we ask ourselves is, why does Satan want to attack the body? Why is this a spiritual battlefield? What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? When Satan attacks you, you're made in God's image. As a believer, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. When he attacks you, who is he attacking? God. You see, your body is important. We're told, it's my body, I can do as I please. Now, who do you think tells us those kinds of things? Where do you think that's come from? Oh, that's just liberal, left-wing kind of thinking. Have we been deceived? Where does liberal left-wing kind of thinking, and I'm not attacking a party, I'm talking about thinking that is contrary to the scriptures. Where does that come from? Paul, writing in Philippians, says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now Christ also shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Do you know our whole goal is, one, to get to know God's will, and then, two, to be patient with God, to accomplish what he's promised he's going to accomplish. Satan cannot stop God's will from being accomplished in your life. Satan can't do that. So all of a sudden now we're saying, oh, I want to be alert. I want to understand the wiles of the devil because if, Satan, if you don't understand those things, you're going to become discouraged. You're going to be down. Paul said, look, no matter what happens to me, I'm in jail right now. I'm in prison. And I've determined this. This body will bring glory to God, whether it be by life or by death. Hmm. So now what do you do with him? Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, we know that verse. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. See your good works. 
How do they see your good works? It's not something spiritual, is it? It is flesh and bones. When they see this bag of bones do something, they glorify God. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you in this body should show forth the praises of him who called you. You see, Satan doesn't want your body to bring glory to him, to bring glory to God. Therefore, if he can't make you ignorant, he's going to try to make you impatient with God's will and try to hurry ahead and do things that you shouldn't try to do or it's not the right timing to do. So why does God want to why does Satan want to attack and destroy your body? One, you're God's temple. Two, your body is God's tool. Three, this is interesting, your body is God's treasury. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I'm God's toolbox. I'm God's treasure box. And he puts it in me so that everyone realizes if he can do it with him, he can do it with anybody. But what is Satan's weapon? Suffering. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Let's look at that together, please. Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31. Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon... Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Hebrews chapter 12 says, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, when, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. James 5.11 says, Happy, behold, we count them happy which endure. You've heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord. What was the end of the Lord? We saw what God did for Job. Satan could not change God's character. God is good. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know how you're feeling. I don't know what's going on. But I do know this. Satan wants you to say, God's not good. Or Satan wants you to say, it's taken too long, God. Your timing is not right. So what weapon does Satan use to get to us? Oh, Satan wants to try to control our circumstances around us, maybe disappointing circumstances, maybe because of something we're going through physically. He wants you to be impatient. He wants you to say, enough's enough, God. But what are the key thoughts to remember here? God is always in control. There is natural suffering because we're human. Not everything we're going through is a direct satanic attack. You just need to understand that. You know, why do I have a hard time sometimes getting up? Because I'm old. My body's wearing out. You know, why is it that, and you fill in the blank, sometimes it's just because it's physical. You know, why do sometimes, why do different parts of me hurt? Well, it's because I did something really stupid with it when I was 20. And it's hurt ever since then. Was that a satanic attack? I don't think so. I think it was stupidity. 
But there are some satanic attacks. You can't, you can't ignore that Satan wants to destroy the body. Sometimes God permits or sends suffering to disciple us. The word discipline we often look at in a negative term. But the reality is, what does the word discipline come from? To disciple. To make us what we ought to be. As parents, when we discipline, when we chasten our children, we have to keep in mind, the whole goal is discipleship. I don't want to get rid of my kids. I want them to do well. They're going to, I'm going to do whatever I can. Sometimes I have to be firm. Sometimes I can, but I, it's a lot more fun to be gracious, isn't it, as a parent? Isn't it more fun to say, hey, I brought you something fun? Let's go get some ice cream. Let's go do this. I bought this for you. You can use my whatever. That's a whole lot more fun than bend over. That's no fun for anybody. God disciples us. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens but whom the Lord loves, he's very kind to. Satan's purpose is to make us impatient. You see, faith and patience go together. Impatience is a mark of immaturity. It's a mark of unbelief. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. When we let the Holy Spirit have control, there is patience. Think of Abraham, how long he waited for the child of promise. Seemed like a really long time. By nature, we are impatient. Let that settle in. By nature, we are impatient. I've told you, we, we have this little puppy. And little Cheyenne is, is definitely all puppy. And we're trying to teach her to leave something alone. And she has to just wait till we say she can have it. Today it was so funny, I told Zach. So I was letting her have some really good tasting food. And I set it down on the floor, and I mean, she lunged at this, like all four feet were in the air and was gonna do a nose plant in this plate. And I said, ah, leave it. And at that point, all four wheels are going, you know? And the only reason why she's not going is because I'm heavier than what she is. And I told her again, and all of a sudden, now she's waiting. And she's literally trembling, and her feet were stomping. She was so excited to get to it. And as soon as I said, okay, she was on it. I was going to give it to her. I wouldn't put it before her and then snatch it away and laugh. I'm a good owner. But learning to be patient is very important for her safety as well as for others' safety. Paul writing says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me. Isn't that interesting? That God gave a thorn in the flesh, yet Satan was the one who wanted to work on him. And Paul says, and I asked God, take it away. Three times. And God said, no, my grace will be sufficient for you. I don't know what you're going through. 
But we do know this about our God. His grace will be sufficient. His grace will be sufficient. But the God of all grace who hath called us into his glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. What's our defense against Satan's attack of suffering? God didn't answer Paul's request, but he did meet Paul's need. That's the way it will be for each of us. God's grace is God's provision for every need. 